You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll start a fresh new series titled New. This series analyzes God's word and God's nature of bringing his people through situations in new and previously unseen ways. Through a better understanding of this pattern, we can more clearly recognize God's nature and our responsibility as his children to be open to his plan as we enter into new seasons. Happy Sunday, family. It is such a great honor to be with you today. I am super excited for us to jump into the Word of God after tremendous times in worship. It's now time for us to get into the Word. But before I do that, first of all, let me give an incredible shout out to our teaching team who did a fabulous job this summer with our Get Closer teaching series. I am so, so very proud of them. While they led the majority of our summer teaching series, they also gave me an opportunity to finish writing my dissertation in order to finish my doctoral program. And I am so grateful for their help. And I am finally grateful to have all of that writing of my dissertation behind me because I'm super excited about what God is doing now and what's coming in the fall. And I can't wait to share it with you. So I am so excited to jump into the word of God with you this morning largely because we are starting a new teaching series called New. And we're going to be in this teaching series for some time. This series is going to be broken into a few parts. On today, I'm going to share with you what God has revealed to me about where we are and what God is doing in this season of our lives. And so I want you to meet me. If you have your Bible, grab it. If you're following on the app, open up the Bible section on our app and meet me in Isaiah chapter 43, and I'm going to start reading at verse 18. But first, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And I sincerely pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to not just be hearers of the word, but to fully grasp what you're saying to us in this moment and in this season. God, I thank you that you're doing a new thing. Help us, Lord, to fully connect with it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you now for your word and for what you're going to do in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, family, let's jump right in. Isaiah 43 and starting at verse 18, God says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Now, family, whenever you read the word of God, there are a few important things that you should be aware of. First, whenever you find a promise from God, you ought to claim it. As we have been doing our soap devotion and reading through the Bible, whenever you find a promise, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. A promise, the Lord is our shepherd. He makes us lie down in green pastures. And whenever you find a promise that God will open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings you have in room enough to receive, whenever you find a promise, you, you need to underline it, circle it, Commit it to memory, but most importantly, claim it. Whenever you find a promise from God in the word, you ought to claim it. But second of all, 
whenever you find a pattern of God in the scriptures, you ought to pay attention to it. Because the patterns that you see in scripture reveal the way that God often works in our lives. So I want to make sure that you get it. Whenever you find a promise of God, claim it, right? Claim that promise because it is a promise of what God wants to do in your life. Whenever you find a promise of God, claim it. But whenever you find a pattern of God, pay attention to it because it's the pattern that shows us the way that God will often work in our lives. Now, there is one particularly important pattern of Scripture that is extremely relevant for where we are as a people, as a faith community, and even as a country right now. Now, the pattern is this, that God often moves in new, fresh ways right after the most difficult of seasons and circumstances. Family, this pattern is consistent all through Scripture. Often, right after the most challenging of difficulties, the most challenging of circumstances or seasons, often right after that, God moves in new, special, fresh, and unique ways. For example, we go back to Genesis. In Genesis 15, God makes a promise to Abraham. And the promise is that he's going to make him the father of many. And in this promise in Genesis 15, God tells Abraham that his descendants are going to be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. Now, that's the difficulty. But God promises Abraham that after that 400-year period is over, that he is going to bring Abraham's descendants out blessed and with great possessions. And sure enough, that's what God did. 400 years later, he brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. He did a new thing because the Bible says that he didn't just bring them out. He brought them out blessed. He caused the Egyptians to be favorably disposed towards the Israelites. And the Egyptians gave them gold and silver. He, they blessed them as the Israelites were on the way out. Another example of this is in Numbers 13 and 14. When 12 leaders from the nation of Israel go to spy out the promised land and 10 of them bring back a negative report and have a lack of faith to trust God and possess the promised land, God says to Joshua and Caleb, because the people would not trust me, he says, here's what I'm going to do. They are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. There's that difficulty again. But after the 40-year period is over, God promises to do a new thing. He says that he's going to raise up an entirely new generation, meaning the children of the people he brought out of Egyptian slavery, and he was going to bring them along with Joshua and Caleb into the promised land. And sure enough, that's what God did. While the nation of Israel wandered for 40 years, all of the adults, all of the individuals that were slaves in Egypt, they all died out in the wilderness. But in the wilderness, God raised up their children, another generation that did not know Egyptian slavery. And it was that generation, along with Joshua and Caleb, that God brought into the promised land. After the difficulty, after the hard season, God did a new thing. Another example of this pattern is actually what we're reading now in the Old Testament if you're doing your soap devotion. We just finished reading the book of Jeremiah, and now we're reading the book of Ezekiel. And in both of these books, God is pronouncing judgment 
on the nation of Israel because they had forgotten him. They had forsaken him. They were worshiping idols. They had drifted so far from God that God allows the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem and take many of them into exile. That is the difficulty, family, that we have been reading about in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. But here is the pattern again. Amid the difficulty, in the midst of it, God promises that He's going to do a new thing. God promises that after the period of the exile is over, God tells Jeremiah and Ezekiel that He is going to bring the exiles back to Jerusalem and that Jerusalem would be rebuilt and that He would give His people a new heart and a new mind. This is where, in fact, that verse comes from in Haggai chapter 2 when God says, Your latter shall be greater than your past. God is literally saying, yes, I know that you've been through a difficult season in exile, but I'm going to do a new thing, and this new thing will be greater than the stuff in your past. And so once again, we see this pattern. God often moves in a new and fresh way right after the most difficult of seasons and circumstances. Family, this is why this word that God speaks in Isaiah 43 is so important. So much of the book of Isaiah is prophetic in nature. God is speaking through Isaiah to the nation of Israel. They're in exile, but he's talking about the new stuff that he's getting ready to do. Oh, please don't miss this. They are in exile. They are in the midst of difficult situations, difficult circumstances, yet God doesn't want them to focus on that. Instead, God wants them to focus on the new stuff that God is getting ready to do. Family, this is why this word is so important for us, because over the last year and a half, if you haven't figured it out already, let me just declare it to you. We have been living in exile. We have been living through difficult situations, difficult circumstances. Life as we knew it has been turned upside down. Yet the pattern of God remains true. After the difficult seasons, after the difficult circumstances, guess what? There's light at the end of the tunnel because that's when God moves in new and fresh ways. This is why God has given me this word this morning. And this word is very prophetic in nature. The word is that God, listen to me, family, is getting ready to do a new thing. But the first thing that we have to do is prepare our hearts for the new. I, I pray, I pray that you, my God, and, and I have the same heart's desire. Family, I don't want to miss God in this new season. It is so clear and obvious that God is doing a new thing, and I don't want to miss him in this. This is why God says what he says in Isaiah 43. He says some very important things that I want to make sure that we start with this morning, because in essence, he's saying, if we are going to prepare our hearts for the new, number one, there are some things that we must do. If we're going to prepare our hearts for the new, number one, there are some things that we must do. The first thing that God says in verse 18 of Isaiah 43 is, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Now, this is important to pay attention to because there are several times in Scripture when we are, in fact, instructed to remember or to recollect the things that God did in the past. In fact, 
Just two verses earlier in verse 16 of Isaiah 43, it says, This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So family, God is reading his resume here. He's referring to what he did when he brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. He's talking about some of the things that he's done in the past. But then get this, right after he says that, he turns right around in verse 18 and says, forget about all of that. Don't dwell on it. Why does God say this? What does he mean by all of this? The nation of Israel had a past that was both amazing and awful. They had a past that was amazing because they could literally look back over their life and remember God moving in some amazing ways. They could remember that he literally opened up the Red Sea and allowed them to walk through on dry ground. That when they were hungry, he opened the heavens and allowed manna to fall. And when they were thirsty, he brought water from a rock. And when they craved meat, he blew in quail just by uh, the motion of wind. I mean, they had some amazing times when they didn't know which way to go. God led them by a cloud by day and fire by night. I mean, God brought them in to a blessed place, a land with flowing with milk and honey, the Bible says. And they lived in houses that they didn't build. They had harvest that they didn't plant. I mean, they could look back over their life and see God moving in amazing ways. They had a past that was amazing, but they also had a past that was awful because they could also look back and remember that after God had done everything for them, they ignored him and began to worship idols. And they did everything that God told them not to do. Instead of being the chosen nation that God created them to be, they wanted to be just like everybody else. So they lost everything. Jerusalem was destroyed. They lost their blessing and they lost their blessed place. But before we pass judgment on the nation of Israel too quickly, it's important that we pause right up and through here and acknowledge that all of us have had a past that reads the same way. We could look back over our lives and see times when God moved in amazing ways. But we can also look back over our lives and have to drop our head in embarrassment because of some of the awful things that we have done. Yet God says, forget about that stuff. Don't dwell on it. What does he mean by all of this? Why does God say this? God says this because if you allow your past to have control over your life, if you allow it, your past will overshadow your present and will eclipse your future. You know, Romans 8 and verse 38 is a very famous passage of scripture. Many people know it by heart. It says, for I am convinced, this is the apostle Paul talking, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is an important passage, but we often read this list and never pay attention to what is left off the list. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, here it is, neither the present nor the future, 
nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Well, guess what's left off that list? The past is left off of that list. Why? Because if you hold on to the past, it can separate you from the love of God and everything else that God has for you. Listen to me. If you allow it, the past will try to define you and confine you. That's so important. My God, I have to say that again. If you allow it, the past will try to define you and at the same time confine you. The past will try to define you by leading you to believe that the awful things that have happened to you, the awful things that you've done, or even the awful mistakes that you have made, that they're the sum total of your life. The past will try to even shape your outlook and even your sense of self-worth based on the awful things in your past. And I'm talking to some of you right now. There have been uh, this kind of dark season of clouds hanging over your life, and it's happened for far too long. You, you right now listening to me, some of you have been like living under this dark cloud, and this dark cloud has been following you everywhere that you go but it has originated from your past. See, when you look at your life and when you look at what's in front of you, you can't even see clearly because everything is being affected by this dark cloud from your past. But the word of the Lord for you this morning is forget about that stuff. Don't dwell on it. You cannot allow your past to define you. But here's another thing. You also cannot allow the past to confine you. See, the past will try to confine you by leading you to believe that things will always happen the same way that, that the amazing things have happened in your past. Now, this is tricky and very subtle because when amazing things have happened in our past, you know what we like to do? We like to take those things and place them in the box of predictability, meaning we like to believe that when other amazing things happen in our lives, they're going to happen the same way. That's what we like to think. And we do this because we don't like the unknown. We crave comfort and, and the things we know and have grown accustomed to. That's what we like to hold dear. Because we know how the amazing things happened in our past, we have a tendency uh, to want to believe that the same way that God moved in our past, we think that God is going to move that same way today. But the truth is, He won't. This is another reason why God says, forget about that stuff. Don't dwell on it. God is literally saying, do not stereotype me. Do not put me in a stereotypical box and think you know how and which way I'm going to move in this new season. God is saying, listen, just because I parted the Red Sea in the past, don't think that that's the way that I'm going to move in this season. Just because I gave you manna from heaven in the past, don't think that that's the way that I'm going to move in this season. Just because I've opened doors and gave you raises and bonuses in the past, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the way that I'm going to be moving in this season. Just because we had some great and amazing things that I did in your past, don't automatically assume that that's the same way that I'm going to move in this season. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those great things. They only become a problem when you begin to think that those are the only ways that God is going to move now. See, family, quite often, 
we get to a place in life where we begin to live more from our memory instead of from our imagination. But in this new season, if you are stuck living from your memory, you are going to miss God. You have got to put your memory aside for a moment and tap into the spirit of imagination. You have to have a heart that's open for whatever God wants to do in this season. This is why if we're going to prepare for the new, number one, there's some things that we must do. God says, forget the past. Don't dwell on it. But then number two, there are some things that we must understand. There's some things, number two, that we must understand. This is why in the very next verse, in verse 19, God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? The New International Version starts off with the word see. Another translation, the King James and the New King James uh, starts off with the word behold. Another translation says it this way, look at this. All of these phrases in the Hebrew mean look this way or look over here or surprise. In essence, what God is saying is that you have been focusing on one thing or you have been looking where you always look or you have been fixated on that. But what I need you to do is look this way. Look over here. God is saying, Surprise! When I was in graduate school working on my master's degree, I worked as a waiter and a bartender at a hotel in downtown Atlanta. And because I worked for tips, whenever the restaurant and the bar was slow, I used to do magic tricks. I learned how to do magic tricks just as a way to earn additional tips. And I learned that the uh, effective way to do a magic trick is to get people to focus on what you're doing with one hand so that at the height of the trick, you could reveal the magic, the ta-da, the surprise with the other hand. That's what God is saying here. On one hand, you've been focusing on COVID. On one hand, you've been focusing on all of the drama and other issues. On one hand, you have been focusing on the fallout and the challenges but surprise, ta-da, look over here because I'm doing something else with my other hand. Oh, family, God deserves a praise break right there because some of you were getting ready to make the wrong decision based on one hand. Some of you were getting ready to miss God based on focusing on only one hand. But God says, surprise, look over here. I'm doing a new thing, which means that God is up to something. Now, family, we got to stop for a moment and deal with this phrase when God says, behold, or see, I'm doing a new thing. Because that phrase, new thing in the Hebrew, means fresh. It means brand new. It means never seen before. Watch this. It also means never done before. Ah, don't miss this. God is saying, listen, this new thing that, that he is doing, it's fresh. It's brand new. It's never been seen before and it's never been done before. Listen to me, family. This means this new thing that God is doing will be beyond anything that you have a point of reference for. That's so important. I got to say it again. This means that this new thing that God is doing will be beyond anything that you have a point of reference for. And you need to prepare your heart for this now. Because often 
When God begins to lead us into the unknown, that's when fear tries to take over. And often we end up grabbing for our past instead of trusting God as he leads us into uncharted territory. You know, this is why the nation of Israel actually started murmuring and complaining and talking about going back to Egypt when God was leading them out because what they were afraid of was the unknown. This is why Lot's wife looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt when God was leading them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because what she was afraid of was the unknown. This is why when Timothy was getting ready to to fully embrace a leadership position beyond anything that he had a point of reference for, Paul encourages him to remember in 2 Timothy 1 and 7 that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I love this translation because often the self-discipline that you and I have to exercise is to not allow fear to reign in our hearts and cause us to miss where God is leading us in this new season. Listen, this new thing that God is doing is going to present you with new opportunities. It's going to present you with new open doors, new responsibilities, new access, new influence, new changes, new leadership, new relationships, new expansion beyond your wildest dreams. But you cannot embrace this with fear. You have to lean into God with faith and trust that as he's leading you beyond anything that you have a point of reference for, he's going to take care of you. This is why Hebrews 10 and 38 says it this way. It says, but my righteous ones will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Let me give you the, the Van Moody translation of what God is dealing with in Hebrews here. In essence, what God is saying here in Hebrews 10 is this. If we get to the door of this new thing that God is doing and we shrink back out of fear, God is not going to be pleased. But this is why, family, we are people of faith. Because instead of shrinking back out of fear, we lean in and we exercise our faith and our trust in God as he leads us into the new. Listen, you need to make it up in your mind now that you will not allow fear to drive the car of your life in this new thing that God is doing. As a matter of fact, fear should have no place in your mind, in your home, on your job, in your finances, or even in your heart as you pursue where God is leading you. This family is the time to go for it. If we were uh, live in one of our campuses, this is where I would tell you to touch your neighbor and tell them, go for it, go for it. You may need to pull out your phone and tweet and post. This is the time to go for it. And if you can't remove fear completely, let me tell you what you need to do. Put him in the back seat or in the trunk and do it scared if you have to. Trust God and drive in the direction that he is leading. So God says, Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, meaning behold, look over here. Surprise. I'm doing a new thing. It's fresh. It's brand new. Never been done before. Never been seen before. But then the last thing that God says in a B clause of verse 19 is this. He says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? 
I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Oh my God. God says, it's happening. Get this, right now. I, I want you to just wrap your mind around that, right? Because we are at a time in our country of all kinds of chaos. Think about it. You've got uh, issues in Afghanistan. You, you've got this Delta variant that is continuing to, to wreak havoc. You've got schools that are trying to deal with masks or no masks. There's so many things that are happening that, that will cause us, um, if we're looking at the world through our worldly vision, to say, it doesn't look like God is doing anything special, but God says he's doing it right now. Right now, God says it's happening right now in the midst of the Delta variant and Afghanistan and everything else. God says it's happening right now. You know, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 11 and 4 that says, whoever watches the wind will not plant and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And I reflected on this verse as I was studying this passage because this verse describes many people. Because so many of us believe that God is only moving when the conditions are perfect in our eyes. We, we will look through our worldly vision and when we see that the stars are aligned and the sun is shining and everything is going well, we think, well, God is moving now. But the truth is, it's, it's in times like these, difficult, challenging times when God moves the most. And God says, guess what, y'all? It's happening right now. I'm doing a new thing and it's happening right now. You don't have to wait for God to get ready. You don't have to wait for your season to come. God says, it's upon you and it's happening right now. And here is the most disturbing thing that God says in this passage. He says, do you not perceive it? This means if we don't forget the stuff in our past and if we allow fear to control our lives, we will miss what God is doing in this season. Oh, I don't want to miss it. God, God says, but if, if you don't forget the former things, if you are dwelling on the stuff that's in your past, the amazing stuff, but also the awful stuff, if you're dwelling on that and fear is controlling your heart, you are not even going to be able to perceive, to recognize, to comprehend, to point out, to be a part of the new things that God is doing. This is the most disturbing part of what God says because it suggests that God is doing a new thing, but if our heart is not right, we'll miss it. And I love it because he ends by saying, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That means that there are other people who will look around at where we are, who may even look at where you are in your family or what's going on in your life and may speak doom and gloom and think that it is the worst case scenario. They see it as a wilderness, but God says, I'm making ways in the desert, and I'm making streams in the wilderness. In other words, God says other people may look at your life. You may look at your life and look at your setting and your scenario and think this is toe up from the floor. This is horrible. But God says, that's when I'm working. He says, because I am literally making ways in the desert in this new season, and I'm making streams in the wasteland. Translation, that which you think is problematic is going to be a setup for God to move like never before. Translation, what other people thought was a barrier is actually going to be the door of the blessing of God in your life. 
But I got to come back to the disturbing question that God asked. He says, do you not perceive it? Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you some very critical things that God has revealed to me that we have to do to prepare our hearts so that we can not only perceive the new, but also so that we can take part in the new, so that we don't miss God in this season. Because we have got to prepare our hearts. If not, the new will pass us by. And let me just tell you, if you haven't figured it out already, for those of you who have the mantra, I can't wait to get back to normal, that day has come and gone. God says, behold, see, I'm doing a new thing. The language is not getting back to what's behind us, but it's leaning in to this new thing that God is doing. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we prepare for the new. Towards the end of September, we're going to go on a seven-day fasting journey, and I hope that you would join us. During this time in the summer, I've even written a, a fasting guide for all seven days because there are particular scriptures, there are particular things that, that the Lord has said to me and said, prepare my people, prepare their hearts because the new is coming and we've got to deal with some things so that we can be prepared to receive it. I hope your heart's desire is like mine. I don't want to miss God in this season. So family, God is doing a new thing. It's happening right now. Do you perceive it? And even before I close, some of you may have been listening to me and been thinking, man, I, I don't want to miss God, but I don't know where to start. Well, one of the greatest places for you to start is to just open your heart to the Lord. If you don't know him as your Lord and personal Savior, open your heart to him. Or maybe you, you know Jesus, but you're not a part of a faith community, an authentic, integrous faith community, a place where you can be built up place where you can be discipled. Well, let me tell you something. I've been sharing more information about when we're going to reopen our doors, but even if you decide that you're not ready to come back when we reopen, that's okay because we are working to release even uh, more incredible ways to disciple you and your family and your children right there in the safety of your home because that's the kind of community we are. We believe in transforming the world by transforming lives. And so if you don't have a church family, we'd love for you to be a part of our TWC family. Family, I'm excited. This is a new season and God is doing a new thing. I don't want us to miss it. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.